We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Emergency podcast, maybe one of the biggest emergency podcasts we've ever done. Sam, how you doing? I am on vacation <laughs> to steal a line from Stephen A. Smith. Mike, you, for that matter, mm-hmm. are also on vacation. And this right. is maybe the most ridiculous situation we have found ourselves in yet, uh, as we are never safe. We joked about it on the last episode, and here we are having to react to trade news. I am... Um, I'm okay. I feel like we have a lot of things to process, and I just was in my car by myself for six hours, and I'm really, (laughs) my brain is firing on like a million different cylinders at once. So this will be an interesting half hour, or however long this episode goes. Yeah, I think it's hard to almost figure out where to even start with this, because we could start with the fact that just the fact that DeAndre was traded away from the Phoenix Suns, and I think that's obviously the biggest headline here. And then with the second piece being what the Suns got in return. And then on the broader spectrum of the entire NBA, Damian Lillard, shockingly, was traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. So even if we're talking about what matters to us, of course, we're going to talk about the Suns angle. But just on the other side of that, we're talking about a massive league-shaking trade well, Giannis was, of course, threatening the Bucks, And, of course, the Suns found a way to get involved with that. My read on this entire situation, and I told you uh, this at some point in DMs, Sam, was that if the Suns were willing and, dare I say, excited to get Yusuf Nurkic in any deal, they were probably going to be involved regardless of where Damian Lillard went. Because I have a feeling most teams that were trying to trade for Damian Lillard did not really were not really excited about figuring out the salary situation to get both Damian Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic back not to nobody salary. whether it would have been Miami, Toronto, Milwaukee didn't matter nobody else would have wanted Yusuf Nurkic so the Suns uh were doing those third those other teams a favor 
in facilitating this trade. And you're absolutely right. They could have facilitated a trade for any one of these teams, any one of these potential packages. Doesn't make it, for the record, a good deal for the Suns. Uh, but, but that's just how the cookie crumbles. So let's start with DeAndre Ayton a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah. Can we... Okay, go ahead. The closing the book... Mm-hmm. We say it sometimes. Our podcast is we're about to enter year six. Our first ever episode was celebrating the drafting of DeAndre Ayton. So this it was feels, the day after he was drafted. This feels to me like closing the book on a chapter of sorry to be melodramatic, but again, brain is like mm-hmm. all over the place right now. Like my personal life. Are you are you well quit, are you well. quitting the podcast right now? I'm not quitting the podcast. <laughs> I'm not going to do anything dramatic. Um, as some people know. Just go search in our one-star reviews that have been left on <laughs> Apple before. Um, you and I have been hard on DeAndre Ayton over the years. Now, I think we've always tried to be fair and and like objective in the sense of, of data-based in our analysis of who he is as a player. So I, I always thought that those criticisms were coming from somewhere. They weren't just invented. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even even despite the complicated relationship we've had with this guy over the years... It's weird that it's over. And I don't know that... I mean, just... I, I I know we've been talking about this for literally 24 months. Maybe even more. He's been in trade rumors for two plus years. Which is why maybe the Suns felt like they had their backs to the wall. And they just could not allow themselves to go into another media day with these awkward interviews toward, you know, awkward questions directed towards DeAndre Ayton. They could not go into another season with this hanging over their heads that they were willing to kind of accept a package of crap in return. Or maybe yeah, yeah. they really feel that this package of crap yeah. is awesome. Maybe they well, really think, believe in okay. these players that they're getting back. I think there's a little bit of both of that in there. Now, when we talk about this podcast and discussing DeAndre Ayton, yes, it's been it's been a bit of a road. It's the only player where if you have any sort of criticism for him, it's not about the basketball, it's now about whose fault it is that he's playing badly. Right? That's that's kind of how we've had these conversations over the years and now I guess we're beyond that, but when you talk about whether the Suns had their backs against the wall with media day, sure, I think there's a little bit of that, but I also think they spent the entire offseason trying to trade him and this is his value this is what it was look if we look at this trade package the Suns got back and by the way they had to include Tumani Kamara which is a player that we were excited about in this trade in order to get back what they got back partially salary wise and 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 maybe for other reasons that the Portland Trailblazers probably liked how he looked in summer league and as a team with a lot of minutes for a lot of young guys they probably wanted to take a little bit of a chance on Tumani Kamara so Aiton and Tumani out, and the Suns get Yusuf Nurkic. No surprise there. That's the only name we knew about so far. Nasir Little, Keon Johnson, and then from the Bucks, the least likable player in the NBA, a player that I have yet to enjoy <laughs> any moment of in his time in the NBA, Grayson Allen. I, I think that's a little unfair to Grayson Allen. I don't think he's more unlikable than Patrick Beverly. It's close. and maybe a couple of other guys. I think you could you could put together a solid all NBA more, team. more yeah. unlikable than Grayson Allen team. So you you've got like five players. You could count that on one hand. And listen, there are the nuanced conversations about 
how the Suns viewed the fit of each of these players. And by the way, they have more players than they can carry into the regular season. So players need to be cut at some point. And I, but I do think three of those players are pretty safe based on their salaries alone. And that's Nurkic, Little, and Allen. Sorry, Keon Johnson. I mean, maybe Keon Johnson has a chance to make the roster, but they don't have to decide yet. And we can talk about the fit of each of those players, and we will, and how they fit and what it will look like with them. But if we're just going to look at it as the big picture here, this trade and what the Suns got back for their only number one pick that they've ever selected is an indictment on everyone involved. It's an indictment on DeAndre and, and his value and his inability to perform after he was given a max contract. Some of the worst playoff performances we've seen on the Suns in a while last season. It's an indictment on the Suns front office for not trading him sooner when his value was higher. They had opportunities to trade him in the past. They didn't do it. And that resulted in whatever they got back on this trade return. And it's just not a good look for anyone. And the fact that it had to be done now at this point, I don't think, I have no doubt that the Suns wanted something better than this package. I know people are upset with it. And if they're looking at it from the perspective of we should have just kept DeAndre in, it's pretty, it's pretty damn clear the Suns weren't looking at it like that. It was, we need to get rid of him and we're going to get back as much as we possibly can get back. And this is the best they could come up with. And to me, I think there are reasons that this team could look good. I'm, I'm, there's, this team will look good. This team these will players, look especially good. Especially when they're healthy. Regardless of this trade, this team was in top three, top four total contender conversation before this trade, and they are still there after this trade. Yes. How you feel about the trade will not change that. 100%. And, and I, I think there's even versions of this team that become a little more interesting with versatility when you have just more interesting players to choose from, which now the Suns do. But it's just a complete and utter disappointment to the end of the roller coaster ride that was DeAndre and that of course had high highs 2021 playoffs going into the NBA finals he played really well the New Orleans Pelicans series the last time he played well in the playoffs arguably was the last high and then of course the lows have been since then the Dallas Mavericks series both series this last uh, postseason and last season where I think he was a complete disaster defensively for the entire season and now it all just sort of putters to an end with a trade package of zero potential all-stars we'll start there where you know some people thought DeAndre and would be a potential all-star including the two people speaking on this podcast today when he was drafted and not even just know. when he was drafted, as recently as, I would say, after that finals run, we were still saying it was possible. Uh, as recently as after that finals run, I was saying maybe a defensive player of the year candidate going into the season after that. Right. And then we only saw regression from there. And what we see is a team that did not trust him, essentially. They did not trust right. that he would be capable of being good, consistent enough to now put the championship hopes and aspirations of Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, and Kevin Durant on his back, which is what it would have taken in order for the Suns to decide they wanted to keep DeAndre. And I think it says a lot about what they think about him. Regardless of what people listening to this think about him, it says a lot about what they think about him, and that's that they don't trust him. The right? players. The to, players, you mean. Or, because or the front office. Cause I, well, primarily the point, front office. The the, no, no, no. But I, I want to make this point. I want to make this distinction because... Obviously, the front office made this move. Obviously, James Jones, DeAndre Ayton was never exactly his guy to begin with. Um, there are reasons for for 
Aiton to have lost the trust of this front office regime in particular. But I think it extends beyond that. I think there is an element of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker hold some sway in this organization. Uh, and the front office is interested not just in terms of like players who fit on the court with them, but also probably what they're thinking a little bit off the court. Uh, it, like just in terms of their personalities, in terms of how they conduct themselves as basketball players, guys who don't quit, guys who are relentless, guys who, you know, sorry to be corny, but always give 110%, whatever, guys who are hoopers. Yeah. I don't know that DeAndre Ayton and what we've seen out of him in the past uh, two years where he quit in two in two different playoff series, essentially, that the players had any interest in continuing that relationship. Look, Not yeah. that it was just about, like, just firing Monty Williams wasn't going to be enough to to move past that. Just getting rid of Chris Paul wasn't going to be enough to move past that either. I think there was a stained relationship. And, and obviously, you know, Book is never going to come out and say this out loud because it doesn't serve well. him to do so. So this. I mean, is I'm circling. I'm circling Phoenix versus Portland. Are you, <laughs> are you not? Pure, I mean, I'm going to be interested to see and the first time DeAndre and gets switched out onto Devin Booker on the perimeter. I'm interested to see it. We're, we're not. We're not saying that they hate each other. Because or frankly, that he asked I, I for him to be traded. Like I don't I, think that's the case either. Yeah. I I don't think they hate each other, but I do believe there was an element of mistrust. There's zero Devin chance. Booker is in the stage of his career where he needs to win a championship. Things are serious now. I mean, like he he wants to win a championship every year, obviously. But when push comes to shove, did he believe that he could win a championship with DeAndre Ayton as a starting center? There might have just been a fundamental lack of trust there. Which There's necessitated zero the chance they would have done this trade if Devin Booker told them not to. Right? Like if he said, no, absolutely not. We need DeAndre Ayton to win a championship. Or Kevin Durant. Probably both of them. You know, like at the very least, they had some level of conversation. Now, I'm not saying, like I said, not saying anyone asked for him to be gone. But I think there's a chance that they said, yeah, whatever you can get it. Okay, fine. It's fine. We'll just move on from there. We'll have a new team. And yeah, that'll we, be the end of that chapter. We tried. It didn't work. Let's bring in something else and try and mesh a little bit better. You know, and, and I don't think that's them. It's Well, it's certainly not them asking for, hey, Mr. Jones, Mr. Ishbia, Please do whatever you can to get us Yusuf Nurkic. <laughs> That's exactly what we're missing. Uh, that'll push us over the top. But maybe it was just a fractured relationship with DA that couldn't be repaired. Yeah. And it, it, look, it's not a great sign that they were willing to accept what they accepted, I, w I would say. Well, and look, I, it's, nothing, I, it's nothing I would... We did, for example, we did a podcast... That we came up with, I don't know, 12 potential DeAndre in trades, 13 at the beginning uh, of the offseason? At the very beginning of the summer, yes. Where do you think that this trade would have ranked on that podcast? <laughs> last? Second to last? Is it worse than my, I, I can't even remember most Corey of Corey Kispert anymore. trade? Is that the, like Daniel <laughs> Gafford, Corey Kispert? Corey Kispert was not the centerpiece there, sir. <laughs> I'll have you know. Um, yeah, I, this would be near the bottom, if not the bottom. Because ultimately the swing factor, and so now we should get into the portion where we're actually talking about what we got back. And why they did it, because I think that is I, the most interesting part of this. But yes, go ahead. So so Nurkic is the first part, and we can debate that. We've been talking about Nurkic for the past couple of podcasts anyway. Personally, I think he's a downgrade. However, I think he's clearly demonstrably better at certain things than DeAndre Ayton. But overall, I do view him as a downgrade. What the trade hinges on then was always going to be, and you explained this, I think, the last time we talked about it, it was always going to hinge on that second piece. 
was the second piece going to be a guy who is a clear upgrade over our current candidates for a fifth starter? And if the answer to that question was going to be yes, i.e. if they got OG Ananobi, or even that's like the best case scenario, but yeah. even as the median Caleb scenario, Martin. I think yeah. is what we described it, Caleb Martin. Which if you maybe got we a, underplayed that a little bit. That would have been really good. I don't know. I don't know if you got us, but what I do know is I agree with your assessment, which is that if you got a second player who was going to be, okay, this guy's obviously the fifth starter. That would have been, that would have been okay. That would have been fair value. You could, you could feel good about that. I think as a Suns fan, uh, what we actually got here was Grayson Allen as the second best player in this trade who did start 70 games for the Milwaukee Bucks, the contending Milwaukee Bucks last season. But who I would not say, and has you know certain attributes. Maybe we should cover Nurkic before we get into Allen specifically. But I would definitely not say uh, is the clear cut favorite to be the Suns' fifth starter on yeah. opening night. He's and, he's just yeah, not that. And, but so he if, might if be, you were right? asking, <laughs> uh, he There's might a good be. chance that he will be at this. He's point, in he's in the conversation now, but it's not what you were asking for. Nope. He's not a Caleb Martin type. He's certainly not OG Ananobi. If you Stripped away all of the antics from Grayson Allen, you could say, hey, that's a pretty good basketball fit. <laughs> but they're all there. It's all part of the same package. Now, let's start with Nurkic a little bit, though, because now you know, we we covered what he could be on the last podcast. First of all, people probably won't listen to that one at this point if they haven't already. I, I recommend going back, at the very least, listen to the second half of that one because it's about all the other players on the team. Who are still on the team, thankfully. Who are still on the team, thank, yeah. Thank God. I think we planned that one pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now it's real. He's really going to be on the team for as much as he can stay healthy. And I think... When I talk about this trade from the perspective of whether or not I like it, I think that it's difficult to even say... It's it's hard to say completely no. Because while I don't really like the package as a whole, it's hard to argue with whatever DeAndre Ayton was worth at this point. And if, if the, the value to the front office was no DeAndre Ayton, there's something there. You know, and maybe I don't know exactly what it is at this point, and but maybe we will at some point because you mentioned Sam, um, the conversation about the players. Zach Lowe, since the beginning of the off season, said it's not just Monty Williams who was, in his words, fed up with DeAndre, and it's more than that. It's more than that. It's more parts of the organization. Well, Monty Williams is fired. <laughs> yeah. Zach Lowe reiterated that same thing. Not that long ago. Really? Look at this team. There's only two members of the team that are the same as before when Zach Lowe said that, and that's Devin Booker and James Jones. If you lose the and, trust of those two guys, I don't know what you're going to do at that and, point. And James Jones is understandable. We've talked about that for years, um, how, again, DA was not his guy. For Booker, just thinking about it rationally, if you were a superstar player, and for years the go-to defense, the go-to way that defenses would try to stop you is to trap you on the perimeter yeah. and your best bailout option always in that situation is going to be a pass to the big man in the middle of the floor and you were passing to a DeAndre Ayton who even after five years was afraid to put the ball on the floor and make a move to the basket or and afraid if he was to making skip a pass there was an uh, extra second or was two afraid to skip time. passes right. to corners and other three-point shooters just could not initiate offense doesn't mean he was bad at everything on the on the floor but just in that very particular situation you're Devin Booker you understand that every single year in the playoffs is going to get harder and harder for you as you are in your prime and defenses are going to throw everything they have 
to stop you. And if Aiton can't give you anything on offense, if he's not going to help you out in the middle of the floor to be a little bit of a creator, if he's not going to show any growth whatsoever, I mean, yeah, who wouldn't be frustrated? That's what? that's the element of like just watching Aiton's game over the past several several years that always frustrated me and always frustrated us. That I just I it was unfathomable to me how some people still to this day just could could never see that they could never see how that was a problem. They denied it until the end. It's the thing about championship teams too. There's a, there's a combination of talent and fit that matters, and sometimes the fit outweighs the talent. And the question about whether DeAndre Ayton was the perfect fit on this team, I think, was pretty pretty clear to a lot of people involved uh, in the NBA at the very least that they did not believe that he was the perfect fit for this team. Now, is Nurkic? No. I think we can talk about defensively. I think people who are saying that DeAndre Ayton is a clear upgrade defensively than Nurkic, I think there's an argument to be made on your side. Last season wasn't it, though. You know, <laughs> last season was definitely not it. If you look at some of the rim protection numbers alone from last season, I think Nurkic has <laughs> him beat by a little bit uh, in those categories. Um, but in general, if you look at the the high highs that DeAndre Ayton can get, clearly that's much, much, much higher. But if you're a Suns fan who maybe the last few years you thought, wow, the offense looks a lot better when Dario Saric is on the floor. It flows a lot better when Dario Saric is on the floor. It moves faster. The ball pings around faster. Or maybe you thought that even when Frank Kaminsky was on the floor a little bit. Well, I think James Jones might have thought that too <laughs> based on this trade because from everything I know, this trade, and by, by the way, just read between the lines with Gambo, I think this trade is not just I need to get rid of DeAndre and I think the Suns really like Nurkic and I think they want him on this team and I think they think it's going to work really, really well offensively in a way that can uh, maybe move the ball a little faster, a little smoother, maybe some outlet passes, things that DeAndre and didn't really ever do that could get the ball moving faster um, in transition and now... I think that's what they did. I think that's what they're trying to do. You talked about traps. He's going to pass really well out of those traps. Nurkic, he's got a lot of experience doing it um, on the Portland Trailblazers. And by the way, let's let's not do all this comparison between the Suns roster and the Portland Trailblazers roster just because we have both of their centers <laughs> from last year. They're dramatically different with a dramatically different coach. It's going to look a lot, a lot better than that. But I think it's clear... They wanted some more skills out of the center position. Now, shooting, yeah. you talked about the shooting. That could be the case, too. Maybe they believe in the shooting. That would be great. I, I, I mean, he again, he shot 36% from deep last year on 2.3 attempts per game. So demonstrating a, a real volume kind of for the first time in his career. It would be great if that holds. Um, but mostly, I do believe, yeah, they're acquiring him for his playmaking talent. There's a massive playmaking gap between what Nurkic can do um, and what Aiton traditionally was able to do. And, yeah, that's that's all great. I mean, I think it could really click offensively, and this team could hit a super high offensive ceiling. Um, on the other hand, not all of it makes sense to me. Nurkic is a good screener. He's not... Obviously, he's not an above-the-rim finisher. His finishing numbers are not very good in general, especially now that he's been around maybe no. a few too many years and, and has that injury history. So, you know, if you were expecting to move on from DeAndre Ayton, who often frustrated Suns fans as a finesse finisher, uh, well, Nurkic is another finesse finisher. So yeah, he's that, not a yeah, he's not that problem. It. Yes, that problem was not solved um, through this trade. Um, there is also like you know. 
Nurkic is 290 pounds. In some ways, I love that because, right. I don't know, he doesn't have a great track record against Jokic, but if you're worried about having a guy on your roster to throw at a Jokic or at a Joel Embiid or whatever in, in a couple of these big center matchups, like the last couple of big-time marquee center matchups that actually matter in the NBA, okay, I guess it's nice to have a 290-pound guy on your team. You mentioned pace. I think it's possible that the offense does move faster in the half court, but I do worry a little bit now with a 290-pound center about their no. actual ability to push the he's pace He's not getting down the floor first. It's he's all trail not. threes. It, he's going to have to be capable of shooting trail threes in transition if that's how we're going to use him. Whereas DeAndre, in what the Suns wanted him to do, was beat everybody down the floor, seal, because often he's beating the center down the floor. The center has to pick up the ball. DeAndre and has a mismatch. You score in transition. Now, that happened maybe every once every few games or so that the Suns would actually score that way. Um, whereas with Nurkic, he's not going to be the first down the floor. He's nowhere near as athletic as DeAndre. And it, really, the Suns are buying into his mind much more than his body, especially if you factor in injuries. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> you could say that a thousand times, yeah. But... You know, I think if you can if you can shoot trail threes, th- you're still a huge threat in transition, especially because those are often for centers wide open. Um, but but outlet passes, I I do think matter because he can throw the ball. He can make pretty pretty good reads from long distance. Whereas, uh, look, maybe you want to blame Monty Williams for this, but DeAndre never passed the ball except for directly to Chris Paul from about three to four feet away or Devin Booker. There were no long outlet passes from DeAndre and so I think we can expect a little bit more of that uh, with Nurkic and guys out on the break guys like Nasir Little by the way who might be pretty good in transition if I had to guess sure. yeah he's uh, a high level athlete um yeah we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. So I know it's not fun to talk about, but you mentioned you touched on injuries. Uh, we should talk about defense with, with him too, but yes. Sure. I want to ask it. I guess I'll try and phrase it this way. Um, I, I We can't predict the future. I don't know if Nurkic is going to play. Look, in the past four seasons, he's, if you want me to read them out, and this is not entirely fair because the yeah. Blazers were tanking. They shut him down it's, when they didn't have It's pretty fair. It's, let's but it's, just it's subtract fair. five to ten games at most from it, if you'd like. Ten games. Ten games. Yeah. Past four seasons, he's played eight, 37, 56, and 52 games. Yeah. Uh, yikes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yikes. So yeah. what's interesting about it to me, though, is the fact that the Suns acquired four players in this trade, uh, and Nurkic was the only big man. They did not acquire Correct. more Correct. big man depth. Yeah. Uh, and traditionally, I mean, look, anything could happen in any given season. There's nothing to suggest that Nurkic couldn't have a fully healthy season, and DeAndre Ayton only plays 25 games next year. Of course, that could happen. But in the average scenario... The average season, DeAndre Ayton is going to play more games than Yusuf Nurkic. We just know that. Yeah. Does it concern you now that, like, what happens if Nurkic has his average season of playing 50 games and the Suns yeah. do not make a move to, to get another big man? So now they've got Drew Eubanks. Yes. Their third-string center. Their third string Their third-string traditional center is either <laughs> Chemezi Metsu or Bol Bol. Right. Uh, I honestly don't know, but between the two yeah. of those guys who, yeah. who really earns that spot because right. both have played power forward. Uh, but then the other thing that I think this points to is minutes open up for small ball. Perhaps too many minutes, perhaps yeah. too many minutes, then you would yeah. want to put Kevin Durant through uh, in that It'd kind of situation. It'd be different if Tumani Kamara was still on the team almost, and you can argue <laughs> yeah. that he could play small ball center more, and he can't. He's so, gone too. So, you know, obviously a lot of faith in Drew Eubanks to make this move, but do you have any other takeaways yeah. About just the depth chart and and the changes yeah. to the depth chart and and if they can survive, can this team sustain a Yusuf Nurkic injury uh, that knocks him out for thirty games, forty games? Honestly, there are concerns about Nurkic, and we'll talk about his defense in a minute. But if he was just if he had zero health issues, I would just straight up come onto this podcast and say the Suns made a good trade. This is a good trade. Um, but I think the health issues with him are the largest concern, and they have to be. You know, because he's not the only one with them on this team. We're talking about a Suns team that has Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant as well. Kevin Durant hasn't played a full season in a while. Bradley Beal hasn't played a full season in a while. Now Yusuf Nurkic hasn't played a full season in a while. The importance of them all being healthy in the playoffs is high. Is Nurkic's health as important to me as Bradley Beal's and Kevin Durant's? No. Obviously not. It would be great if he was healthy in the playoffs, but if he wasn't, I don't think that completely knocks you out. But I do think it matters, especially in certain matchups, as you noted. He also famously does not like Jokic, from what I've heard, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing to add to the team. Maybe uh, he'll have some people on the Suns who feel the same way, <laughs> at that, the very least. Let me just say, that combined with the Grayson Allen acquisition, you know, say what you will about these guys, but I think the Suns were lacking 
assholes. I, I, I think this roster was seriously yep. missing an asshole component to it that you typically see Every one or two. Every championship team has one, it seems Most like, championship, right? and we, we I lost I guess the Nuggets that. didn't. Did they? I don't no, know. No, they didn't. The Nuggets yeah. didn't. Aaron Gordon? Uh, we'll, Aaron, we'll give it to Aaron Gordon. No. Aaron Gordon's a good defender, but yeah. he's not he's not a dick. Um, and that's an element of our roster that, you know, some people say maybe it's overrated. Uh, we had it in Jay Crowder. We had it yeah. in Jay Crowder, then we lost it. Chris Paul was we had one it of in those Chris guys Paul, too. <laughs> and we lost. We I suppose we lost in Chris Paul as well. Um, yeah, but we've we, replenished. We, gave it away. we yeah. replenished that. It's true. Uh, Grayson Allen will have his moments. The asshole uh, if you is were, replenished. <laughs> if you were worried, yes. <laughs> if you <laughs> if you were worried about the Suns actually being a well liked roster this year, fear not. Oh, because okay, Gray- that was my biggest concern, Sam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Grayson Allen is. <laughs> People here. are gonna like us too much. I say it all the time. <laughs> that was my biggest concern. No, you know, Nurkic, okay. Now, let's just let's just look at something uh, on his stats too. I'll just mention them, just read them out loud. Last year, 13.3 uh, points for per game, 9.1 total rebounds. This was a year we should mention. These are years where he was shooting more and more threes. He's done it for years. Um has sort of peaked out at 11.1 rebounds in the previous season, 2.9, 2.8, 3.4, and 4 assists in the previous four seasons. The 4 assist season was the one where he only played 8 games, so you can take that with a massive grain of salt, of course. Uh, but capable of passing, especially on a team that's going to have the offensive threats that the Suns have. Um, 66% from the free throw line is something I should mention because it's just DeAndre Ayton, for all his uh, faults, was pretty efficient offensively. Uh, if you were giving him the ball, and that includes the free throw line, even though he didn't get to the line, um, yeah, that's, and another thing that's about the difference. Twenty six minutes a game last year. You, you, I, yeah. I don't think he's going to be playing more than like twenty five minutes a game for this team, right? Yeah. Uh, well, again, I mean, Drew Eubanks has the chance now to carve out a twenty minute per game role for himself, yeah. where previously yeah. I would have said maybe fifteen. Uh, so Nurkic is not a guy who's going to be. He's going to be starting with them. I'm sure they want him to close. Uh, but he's not going to be playing heavy 35, 38, 40-minute games too often. What do you think about his defense? Uh, It's fine. I mean, <laughs> this is the part where, you know, people are overblowing it a little bit again. And I, I don't even necessarily say this based on Nurkic being a plus defender because I don't believe he is. Uh, but it's more based on Aiton just being such a negative last year that people were willing to let go because they were still clinging on to this hope that he's young and he can snap out of it and he can we can make him motivated again under Frank Vogel. Personally, I never really bought into that argument. Uh, Nurkic is not a versatile defender. He's going to be a drop defender. He's going to have a very rigid role in Vogel's scheme. But maybe they like it that way. Maybe they just believe that he can commit to that for 25 minutes per game. Uh, and that's that's how they'll want him to play. And I think his rim protection will not be good, but I think it will be perfectly average, to be honest. He has a higher amount of shots contested at the rim and a higher amount of, of the stat that's called rim deterrence. So players more afraid to shoot on him and he contests more shots still per 75 possessions when he's on the floor than DeAndre Ayton. So if that's something that matters to you, then I think that is important. Uh, players also technically last year shot worse when Yusuf Nurkic was defending them than when DeAndre Ayton was defending them. Um, and that is on a team with really bad perimeter defense in Portland. I, I think, you know, 
I'm not going to make the case that Yusuf Nurkic is a good defender, but I will make the case that DeAndre Ayton was a bad defender last year, and that was what the Suns were looking at going into this year and, and saying, can we afford to place the bet that he will be better on that based on the fact that, what, he's going to get less shots and we have a new coach? Yeah. I and think, they weren't willing to make that bet. They said, okay, Yusuf Nurkic, technically by some stats, a better defender than DeAndre Ayton last year on a worse team. And uh, and maybe the gamble with Nurkic, of course, is games that he doesn't play. But, you know, there was a point in the, in the playoffs where the Suns closed a game, and I know I bring this up a lot, but I, there's an analogy here. The Suns closed a game with Jock Landale on the floor because in order to be have their best... You're going to be bringing this up in like... 20 the year 2068 he's a max player do you remember <laughs> when jock landale <laughs> on my deathbed I'm gonna on your deathbed yeah, yeah the last sure. thing i'll say they they close the game with jock landale in order to have their best chance at winning basically they're saying without deandre and on the floor we have our best chance of winning this game this trade is like the trade version of that basically they're saying now without him we're going to be better now who that's going to be nurkic Eubanks, Metu, if he finds a role somehow, or, or Bol Bol, if he becomes a, a much, much better defender, uh, then yeah, okay, yeah. They clearly believe that. This is that version of that trade. Now, by all uh, measures of people that have are, are just sort of applying their eye test to this, DeAndre Ayton is a better defender. And look, I agree with them, because DeAndre Ayton is a more versatile defender, he's more athletic, and he's faster. At his peak... His ceiling he is, is one of the best close. defenders, one of the best big man defenders in the NBA at his peak. But he is not at his peak for long periods of time and has not done that consistently throughout his entire career. Um, so this is what we're looking at at Nurkic. The, the stats are not bad for him last year based on what we see. The eye you test know, is not great for Nurkic. And, you know, you can make the case that the other way around is the case for DeAndre and where the eye test is good, but the stats are bad. Some people are probably going to laugh at this. <laughs> If the if the haters are even listening anymore, they probably turned us off long ago. But we kind of weren't hard enough on DeAndre Ayton. Is that funny to say? Like, I I think there was so much focus going to his offensive misgivings over the past few years. Uh, the stuff that was instantly noticeable, like again the the lack of forceful finishing or the lack of self creation or or these other offensive elements. That's always the stuff that we were at war over online. That I think people were kind of willing to give him a pass on the defense. And they kind of yeah. gave him a, a really long leash and yeah. almost didn't even notice the extent to which he just creaked back, just devolved. slipped back. Yeah, I, and and I think the, the, the part that I think bothered me the most is one, of course, it was his max contract. And I made the deal with myself before the year that this is the year where you can't judge him based on he's young and he's improving. He's now making $30 million. He has to be compared to players who make $30 million. Uh, but the thing that I think disturbed me the most about his defense last year is how simplified the Suns made it. He stopped switching onto the perimeter uh, pretty much entirely. They never used him to trap guys on the perimeter. His role was consistent. Be the drop defender. I think it was, I looked at the stats before we had this conversation on the last time we talked about it. Over 90% of the time, essentially, he was a drop defender. and uh, And it still didn't work. They still couldn't find ways to get it to work. So to simplify it, to break down everything that we needed it to be and just take it to its barest bones and for it to still fall apart, I think, was just a really, really bad sign. And especially, by the way, we're talking about what Frank Vogel does. It's not simple. 
he's going to throw a lot of different schemes out there. He He's going to need a versatile defender. Now, whether that be Nurkic, I don't know. Maybe he's going to play more with different guys at center. Maybe it's Bol Bol sometimes. Maybe it's Metu sometimes. Maybe Eubanks is out there chasing guys in a trap. I, I'm not entirely sure what it's going to be, but I know in the past he's iced. He's he's done traditional drop coverage. He's done box and one. These are all things that he's done that the Suns were not capable of doing with DeAndre in on the floor last year. Um, so, you know, all of this, of course, leading to where we are today. Now, do you have anything else you want to add about Yusuf Nurkic? I think we should move on to the other guys. Who do you want to talk about first? Little or Allen? Um, I mean, can can we talk about them both just under the context of are both of these guys going to be in the playoff rotation? Are neither of them going to be in the playoff it's rotation? It's a good question. What's, what's your initial assessment? Well, uh, of like, are these top eight, top nine players in your view based on what the Suns roster now is? Yeah. Uh, so... I mean, we're going. We're looking at what year six for Grayson Allen and year five um, uh, for Nasir and yes. Nasir Little's going. Yes. Nasir Little's going um, to be twenty-three. Nasir Little is significantly younger than Grayson Allen. Grayson yes, Allen, yeah, played, is, yeah, is about to be twenty-eight in two weeks. Uh, I think that Grayson Allen is most likely going to be in the playoff rotation for the Suns based on the way the roster is currently constructed, and I think that Nasir Little has a chance because he's so young and has uh, the ability to improve that there's a chance that he is in it. It's just not less, much less of a guarantee. The problem with Little, even though they, they he did shoot relatively well last year, 36% on, on three attempts per game. And by the way, that's only in 18 minutes a game. If you're wondering why the attempts are relatively low there, let's see, what is it per 36? It is 5.8 attempts. Um, and he shot 36%, so that's pretty good, but it's not something that we can really expect him to do. The thing, the thing about Little, I think, is, you know, we did a little research on him before you and I, I believe, and I saw, the first thing I did was look at his size, look at his height, look at his position, and then I'm guessing this is what you did as well. Google his wingspan. Did you do that? <laughs> I, I've not done that yet. I imagine it's... Do you want to guess what it is? Uh, seven foot. Seven foot two. Yeah. And then you go, oh, that's James, why James Jones. Jones, James Jones has, <laughs> he's got he's a got type, man. <laughs> two types. If you're on the wing, you need to have a seven foot wingspan. And if you're a big man, you need to be white and pass. And that's just, yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you see his wingspan, you see his potential and the position he plays uh, in that he's a, a, a player that can play small forward, but with a seven two wingspan, I think the Suns could probably play with him guarding guys on the perimeter and seeing how he does when he's chasing guys on the perimeter because when you have that level of wingspan even if you can't move your feet fast enough you're gonna get in people's way you're gonna make things difficult you're gonna make passes harder there's gonna be a lot of things uh that can happen in these scenarios um that will be good <laughs> i think for the suns and uh you know is is this year little a player to be excited about no, no, not necessarily. But <laughs> I'm just let, are, let me let me just say it right now. No, no. Are we as a team desperate for young players who can how like improve over time? Yeah. <laughs> Here's yeah. can can I just say so? Nazir Little statistically has not been good in yes, his career. He's been, he's been in the NBA yeah. for four yeah. years on a mostly bad team. Has not been good. Uh, furthermore, I have him personally just like down in the depth chart. Past all of the <clears throat> all of the guys who've actually all done the external the development guys from the last pod, yeah, he's, yes, he's exactly. Behind he's yeah. he's behind Kade Bates Diop. He's behind Yuta Watanabe. He's behind Josh Kogi. 
uh, you know, if you if you include the guards too, he's behind Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen. So that should suggest that he's really not going to get playing time. Where he could maybe become interesting is that, remember, it's getting increasingly difficult with the new CBA for the Suns to flip contracts into other players. Uh, Nazir Little is signed for the next four seasons. He just signed a new deal. Making six point two million this year, six point seven, uh-huh. seven point two, and then seven point seven over the next four years. Why is that relevant? Because that's that's how much Tory Craig makes. No, yeah, it's well, no, it's not how much <laughs> the Suns could finally get him back. <laughs> no, I don't even ma- know what he makes. I'm sorry. It's maybe in the vicinity where it becomes useful down the line if you want to flip oh, him for some player that's on like a round bi- picks. Yeah. Well, yeah, for some yeah. player who's on like a biannual exception or like yeah. a tax-paying mid-level exception, he's that type of contract where maybe you can flip it. But he needs yeah. to be worth something, and right now I don't really think he's worth anything. So yeah. it's hard too. We don't have any picks left. And yes. I am bummed. I am straight up bummed that we got rid of Tumani Kamara. Yeah, me too. I was really I excited. Too. I mean, what do I even watch? Seriously, what the fuck do I watch Summer League for? Every year, <laughs> the, the past two years, three years. Why couldn't it have been Ish Wainwright at least? Right. Well, you know why. Give them Ish Wainwright. Kamara was good in Summer League. That's, what, that's probably the last thing that made this trade finalized and actually happened <sighs> was including Kamara in it. Even though the Suns... I don't know. Would you be more excited about Kamara than Little? I'm guessing you're saying yes right yes, now, right? Yes, yes, yeah. I would. And and Keon Johnson as well. Yes. Now, now let's let's just talk about Grayson Grayson Allen too, because I think yes, I think Nasir Little will talk about him. And look, he can improve still. This is a young player, and and I don't know what the environment was like in Portland, but maybe in a new environment with different coaching style, different guys, maybe he'll improve. You know, maybe people are saying the same about DeAndre and going to Portland. Um. And but Grayson Allen, I think we can be pretty sure that look, he's he might start. I mean, we just mentioned it. Like he might he started seventy games last year of the seventy two games he played in sixty one in the year before that on a good team. And he averaged last year he averaged ten points, um, shoots ninety percent from the free throw line. He shot f- basically forty percent from three in the last two seasons for back his to back for so his entire career. Season. Actually, yeah. he's thirty nine and a half for his career from deep. Yeah, so consistent, a good shooter. And, uh, you know, he actually has, you know, averages 2.3 assists on that team as well, which is pretty high for a player with low usage and probably doesn't dribble much. He can shoot threes. He can drive to the rim. He's a tenacious defender. Is he good? Yeah, he's, he's not terrible as a defender, I would say. Um, and you could see, to be honest, I, as much as I want to poo-poo all of this, you could see why the Suns would want Grayson Allen on this team, even though he's, like I called him, one of the least likable players in the NBA. He's a good fit. He hits threes. He takes on challenging defensive assignments, and he's a dick. I, I mean, to me, it makes sense. Grayson yeah. Allen is not the aspect of the trade that, that I'm unhappy with. Um, honestly, overall, I don't like the value that the Suns got back. But I do think, I am willing to admit, that there is a chance that addition by subtraction <laughs> kicks in <laughs> and Nurkic like really locks in and the drop defense just works. Uh, and Grayson Allen's hitting 40% of his threes, uh, and they they are a much better team. Low and you sound like C.J. McCollum. That's basically C.J. McCollum's uh, version yes. of this trade, right? That's can how, can we just said. get, before we like kind of sign off here, can I just get a grade from you, an initial grade oh for the front goodness. office here? How dare you make me do that? Come on. Uh, I, I just, I'm not, I don't, you don't give me much often. Okay. How I don't ask I, what, you what to rank this, things. What is this scale that I am uh, grading this on? Like, What do you mean, what's the scale? 
what am I comparing it to? Because he, this is this is what's hard for me because it's not like they panicked and then decided to trade DeAndre and don't them. don't grade it. That's that's a decent point. Don't grade it compared to a hypothetical OG on an OB trade, which maybe was never an option, right? It was. Are the Suns by the way, basketball We tried team, to tell Mike? you this. If anyone believed OG Ananobi was going to be on the team, we tried to tell you in our last few episodes that we didn't ever think that was going to happen. Uh, are the yeah. Suns a better? Are the Suns a better basketball team? Yes or no? I think in the average <laughs> on the like, aggregate over the, the course aggregate. of an entire season, yeah, they might be. To be honest, they actually. So that might be. to me would imply like at least a B grade. I'm going to say if a that's B, what you. Believe. I'm going to say a B minus because of the injury concerns. But I'm going to I'm going to preface this with the fact that the caveat that I believe that DeAndre Ayton's trade value was really low. I, I, if if he was valued the way that some of you fans value him by GMs and front offices, he wouldn't, first of all, he wouldn't be on a team that's tanking. He would be on a team that's t- trying to win. And a lot of people, by the way, have wanted DeAndre Ayton to be on a team that was tanking for a while. So congratulations. You got your wish. You get to see him with the ball a lot. Um Maybe I guess. I'm gonna, we'll I'm, I, I, can we just make a promise? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna watch probably Blazers games at all because they're gonna be terrible. I'll, yeah, no, I'm not. I I'll mean, check no, in. You know what? I'm I'm lying. I watch so much basketball. I will definitely check in out of pure curiosity. No, I'll I'll check in occasionally, but I'm not gonna hate watch. How DA will this you year. feel if That's, he's really I still, good? I that you know to be honest, that thought hadn't entered my mind because <laughs> I just think it's not gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. How is he going to be good as the number one option on a team? We've seen he, he won't be. I think Scoot's going to be the number one option. I, okay, so he'll like, be he'll be the number two or number I three mean, to Jeremy Grant. Yeah, and they also have Simons who likes to shoot. So. And they have Simons too. Is he in the same order offensively than <laughs> on the Portland Trailblazers as he was on the Suns? Uh, I don't know. Okay, so you said B minus. Yeah, I'm going to go with a C. Yeah, I think that's a fair I'm going to go with a C because there's a, a, a real concern here. I don't believe... I, I, I just don't agree with the assessment that you had to move off Aiton, like 100%. And couple that with the possibility that Nurkic misses half of this season because if, he's just being No, this is purely hypothetical. That would be bad. Mike, if, it would be bad. <laughs> if the Suns players, the ones that have sway, were like, I don't want to play with him anymore. Please trade him. Do you have to get off of him then, or would you still keep him even though they would be unhappy? You have to. You have to get off him. Okay. If what book and KD say goes, I'm going to reiterate whether that's the right way to run an organization or not doesn't really matter because often when guys are <laughs> traded, we start to hear the truth afterwards. So maybe we'll hear something over the next few. If they're anyone needs talk. to chime in, it's they're Zach Lowe who needs to explain. What he's been talking about with people being unhappy with DeAndre Ayton because he you know who I feel like who. would talk, Windhorst. You, no, you need no, you need a player who has been around both of these guys over uh, the past few years who is Chris no Paul. longer no no. Let me finish. <laughs> you need a player who has been around them over the past few years who is a wild card is no longer on the Suns. The type of person who would maybe seize their fifteen minutes of fame and just like go off on uh, a situation. You know who would do that. I think I can guess. Yes, campaign would do that. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Jay Crowder. Oh, Jay Crowder would do that too. Jay, yeah. Jay Crowder actually maybe is even a better answer. I feel like yeah, Jay he Crowder doesn't even campaign, like the Suns, so he can like, go out there and say whatever he wants. Chris Paul is too diplomatic. He's not gonna say shit. Yeah, you but get he Jay might Crowder say something on a like, podcast. And they might say something interesting. 
Chris Paul might say something that says nothing but says everything at the same time. You know what I mean? Something sarcastic like, oh, I could see that one coming or something like that. By the way, since then, since the trade has happened, two two people of note have said things like, first of all, Woj went on to SportsCenter and said, the Suns were ready to move on from DeAndre. That's the only thing he said so far. That's the level of reporting we have. But they were done with him, basically. And I think, no surprise to anyone that saw th- what the trade was, and then the other thing, too, was uh, Kevin O'Connor, who said that Kevin Durant and Devin Booker just didn't trust DeAndre. Uh, I mean, so, yeah, that's you know, what I was saying. Why would that's, they? <laughs> that's the most that we have right now. And I think when you're talking about what level of consistency is needed for a championship, we're talking about the legacies of Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal at this point. And that was what... Uh, James Jones was figuring out. So yes, maybe they didn't have to move on from him. Maybe you're right. Are you talking about saving him to move him later or just not making a trade at all and just playing with DeAndre and throughout the season? Either or. Well, we're Either talking or. about, it becomes a lot harder to trade. You couldn't have included Tumani Kamara. Maybe you're happy about that part, but if it was salary reasons that they included him, you couldn't have done that after this year. They really did have somewhat of a time limit in order to get this done uh, due to the salary constraints that, that exist with the second apron team. It's it's a weird day. Devin Sam. Booker is the last remaining player from the finals team. And Just that was Kevin two Young years ago. Having, having wine after a game, talking about the old days. Because <laughs> Kevin Young's the only one left as James Jones pulls James the strings. Jones. Yeah. Anything yep. you want to uh, say about DeAndre and before we go here? Because one thing I will say is I hope he does succeed. I, I, I think I have less faith than a lot of other people do that they that he can be the player that a lot of people want him to be but I do think he can be an effective NBA player as he was on this team it's just about a mindset shift and maybe a trade is all it takes for him the other part is I'll say is I never disliked him as a as a person he was always funny he was always (laughs) fun you know it was fun to cover him a lot of the times because he was fun and funny and that part, I think, is something that uh, I will miss, especially with <laughs> Grayson Allen coming in return, who's a player that I actually like how he plays basketball and dislike his personality. Uh, so it's a little bit different of a of a change here uh, for me. Um, but do you have anything else you want to say about that before we go? No, it's just that DA has a great personality. I don't think anyone ever questioned that, really. he's We saw it from the second he came into the league dancing to Carly Ray. Carly uh, Ray Jepsen or whatever it was with, yeah, right, uh, with right. Mo Bamba like that was the first thing we ever saw from him um, and the picture of him videos. dunking on Embiid <laughs> yeah dunking I mean like there are so many minutes uh, moments with him over the years there's, but it's just there's clearly one best moment of his time with the Suns right the value it has to be right oh I, I thought you were talking about off-court stuff yeah basketball wise no doubt that was the best um, but the toxic <clears throat> conversation that clouded him for years uh, became exhausting for everyone to cover as well uh, to the point where I just kind of, you know, at a certain point, I just didn't want to talk about him <laughs> anymore. Yeah I, I, yeah, I felt like often we were just avoiding the subject just because we didn't want to deal with it. Uh, yeah, and I hate we, that, feeling I, like that, I, I absolutely did. And that was something that I try not to do. Yeah. Um, so, you yeah. know, yeah. closing the book. Here's to a new chapter. I'm not sure we talked to anyone who was on the ledge 40 minutes ago. I'm not sure yeah. we did a great job of talking them off the ledge. I'm going to be honest in this well, episode. I think we laid out. There they're going to be really good. I think they're going to be really. And when they're all healthy and, and Nurkic is in there, that offense is going to be unbelievable. There's a path. It's going to be similar to. And the, uh, there's a path for them to be better. No Bogut doubt. on the Warriors is kind of what it reminds me of. Yeah. 
if anyone wants to try to picture the um, types of things he could do. Because those okay. three guys being that good off the ball and then Bogut making passes to cutters and shooters, that's what Nurkic can do on this team when he's healthy. Okay, also, believe me, I want to go back to my vacation, so I want to put the mic down. But before we do that, can I just get your 30-second take on Dame with the Bucks? Because we didn't cover that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, they're going to be really good. Uh, I wish that we got Drew Holiday in the trade. You know, not to. Could you, could you imagine? Could it would have been amazing. It oh my been god! So, it would have been perfect, and his contract is pretty good right now. It would have actually worked money wise. Um, but and I don't really. I guess what we're seeing is that the Trailblazers are just going to move on from him, and and you know he's not meant to be there. They're just using him as another trade asset. But it's funny because reports recently were that Miami was they held the belief that they could win the Eastern Conference without Damian Lillard and weren't going to bend over backwards to try to trade him to Miami. And now I look at the situation where Damian Lillard is on the Bucks, and I think, you sure about that? <laughs> you sure about that? You sure about that? <laughs> because uh, I don't think you can believe that anymore now. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. that's the best one-two punch of, of superstars that we've seen in a long time. I think the only comparable one at this point is probably... <laughs> Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and I, that um, means that we in in a, in a perfect world, in a world where the everything's written in stone, we get a rematch. I don't think anyone's putting Miami on the same tier as Boston and Milwaukee now. Right, right. They're just they're just not. I think Miami could beat Boston because we just saw them sure, do it. But they they, could, they, no, they, they lost could, players by the they way. They could do it. They could do it again, but they're not the favorite. No, they needed I, this I trade. Yeah, yeah played their cards a little bit too close to the chest oh well all right we will and by the way i'm grateful we waited to do some of the things we we are planning on doing in the future which includes an over under episode coming up soon but we will be back soon with that episode of course if you want to follow along with extra podcasts once we're back from vacation which will be next week for me we will get back to doing Weekly Patreon episodes as well. You can get those at patreon.com slash the timeline. $6 a month for an extra podcast every week. $3 if you'd like to join our Discord as well, um, which is included with both tiers. But thank you, everyone. I'm excited to do a little more research, watch a little more film, and then we'll be back to talk about that next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.